You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, today we are, um, we're, we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. And I feel like I've said this every single week. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, many times it can be easy to be confused or to, to pump the brakes a little bit because, because of things that we've seen or been taught maybe in the past. And today specifically, we're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And to be honest with you, it can be very difficult to find teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, I feel like every single week, many times I've talked with people, and it reminds me of Acts 19, when, when they're traveling and they come across the disciples and they say, the, the, those two disciples, and they say, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they look back and they're like, hey, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, we, we were, you know, we've done everything we know. But the common theme with the Holy Spirit is that God has more for you. He is your helper, your comforter, he's your counselor here on this earth. And what, why? So that you can live a supernatural life here on earth, not just someday in heaven. What did Jesus say? Pray that his kingdom would come and be, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's now. That's not someday. That's today. And so we can't do that, though, without the help of the Holy Spirit and without these spiritual gifts, and that's the whole point, is they are gifts for you. How foolish, right, to show up uh, or to come downstairs on Christmas morning, and there's a ton of gifts under the tree, and just to pick one and to open it up and be like, hey, I'm cool with this, when all the other ones have your name on it as well, right? What would your natural response be? I'm going to open up all of these gifts, and then I'm going to search my stocking. I'm going to make sure nothing was hidden back there, right? Like the Christmas story, nothing's behind the piano tucked in there, right? My BB gun, whatever it is. Like, I'm going to go and make sure I open everything with my name on it. That's how we should approach God spiritually. He has good things, but what's my part? Ask, seek, knock. I got to go get it. So many times people have left too many gifts under the tree, and God says they're there for you if you want them. If you want them, go get them. He has good things for you. When it comes to spiritual gifts, if you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today I'm going to cover a lot of ground. My heart for today is not to do a deep dive into the gifts of the, of the Spirit. My, my heart for today is just to identify where we're at. Because a lot of people are in two different categories. Either the first one, as we look at the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to look and you're going to say, man, I don't see any of that in my life. That's, that's option one. Option two, you're gonna, we're going to read some things, you're going to see some things, and you're going to say, I've seen that or felt that before, but I didn't know that was a gift of the Spirit. And in fact, many Christians that I talk to, that's more often that's the case. They're operating in a gift, or God is prompting them to use a gift of the Spirit, but they don't know how to identify it. And so my heart is today, let's identify one of those two categories where we're at, but let's take a step towards using these gifts that are available to us. When it comes to the gifts, the spiritual gifts here, though, here's what I want us to see. The Holy Spirit, He will empower you. He will not overpower you. He wants to empower you not overpower you. Too many people have this strange relationship with the Holy Spirit where they'll go and they're just like, well, if he wants to, then he will. 
but we're not operating by faith if it's if he wants to. When we read his word, we see he wants to, so I need to walk by faith then and what? See it come to pass, doing my part, walking in obedience. He's not going to overpower you and make you do something weird. He wants to empower you and partner with you to do his will here on earth. And usually we, me and you, are the biggest hindrance to the gifts of the Spirit being manifested. We are. Because we don't know it, we don't understand it, or we are just, we, we've been taught and we've seen some things that don't actually align with God's word. And so we just say, ah, I'll take the salvation and go into heaven and, and the love and the grace, but some of that other stuff that's a little bit deeper, I don't know if I want to go there because we've been taught wrong, if we're being honest. Here's the, I saw this quote and I wish I knew who said it and I, I, I would love to give him credit, but here's, here's what it comes to the spiritual gifts. I love this quote. It says this, when the spiritual gifts are missing from our lives, the outcome is a life functioning primarily on the strength of human effort, reasoning, and talent. Let me say it again. When the spiritual gifts are missing from our lives, the outcome is a life functioning primarily on the strength of human effort, reasoning, and talent. And church, God's, God's design for us as the body of Christ is the same as us individually. When the spiritual gifts are missing from a church or the church, the outcome is a church functioning primarily on the strength of human effort, reasoning, and talent. And that should be a scary thing because we're not called to live natural lives. We're called to live supernatural lives. And if I can live my life in my own effort, reasoning, and talent, why do I need God? He asks us to do big things so that I am forced to lean on him and rely on him, and he gave us a helper called the comforter so that we can live uncomfortable lives doing what he's asked us to do. But the problem is we can step into our calling and become so good at it in the natural. Even me up here, I can get so used to going through the motions that I don't have to rely on God anymore to do what he's, he's called me to do. And that's a scary place to be. My life is not to be built on my effort, reasoning, and talent. It is to be in partnership with him that when I step in obedience and step in faith, what he follows me, he, he is with me step for step with my action of faith. So my prayer today as we go over this is that we're going to identify where we're at and what steps we can take individually and as a church to move closer into this. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. He writes it all out here, so let's just read it. 12.1 says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> That's my prayer for today. Look, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be ignorant when it comes to this stuff, right? We should know what these are and how to, how to use them, what, what they look like. You know that uh, you were... Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Look, he said, you're looking elsewhere. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is, is given to each one for the profit of all. Let me stop there for a second. Manifestation, that's kind of a fancy word when we look through here. Manifestation, what does that really mean? When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation is simply this. It is visible evidence of Holy Spirit activity. Visible evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. That's why that quote from earlier is so important. Because if I don't see these gifts, then I don't have visual evidence that he's working in my life or through me. Doesn't mean he's not working at all, but these are obvious visual things that we can see and we can point to. Let me continue reading here. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Here's what we have to, I might be getting ahead of myself, I don't know. Here's what we have to realize. When it comes to these gifts, there's a lot of gifts up here. There's nine different ones we're going to talk about today. A lot of people will go, and where this has been abused in the past, is a lot of people will take one of those gifts and they will blow it up and say, well, I have the gift of prophecy, and that's my, that's my gift that I operate in. And they will take it almost to an extreme. Now, many times we will operate in one gift or two gifts more than the others, absolutely. But the gifts of the Spirit are tools available for you. They're not badges of honor, right? Well, I have the gift of prophecy, so I'm up here on some pedestal. No, that's not how it works. They are tools for you to use for other people. What do you say? For the benefit of all, for the profit of all, for other people. They're tools to be used. So it gives me confidence knowing I can walk into any situation And though I may operate in one gift more often than the other, I have all of the gifts available to me. You see how that can be encouraging? Because I may operate in in a word of knowledge more than anything else. But if I walk into a situation where someone needs healing, the Holy Spirit can give me the tool for the circumstance that I'm facing. Meaning what? I can help you minister healing to that person. And it's not about me. I have to just make sure that I'm walking in agreement with God's word. Amen? Let's dive into it. Number one is this, word of wisdom. I'm just going to go through the list. You know, in the past, I've tried to categorize these to make them a little more memorable, but uh, I think God's word just says it best, so that's how we're going to tackle it today, right? The first one is this, the word of wisdom. Let me read this, this breakdown that I've kind of gathered together as I've been doing research and studying commentary and different things like that. Here's just a little abbreviation for these. The first one, uh, word of wisdom, a supernatural utterance at a given moment through the Spirit, supernaturally disclosing the mind, purpose, and will of God as applied to a specific situation. You know, these first two, there's wisdom and there's knowledge, these first two here. They sound similar, but they are very different. Knowledge has to do with the past or the present, Right? It's an accumulation of facts, if you want to look at it that way. Wisdom has to do with the future. Many times, I know for me, growing up and just being in church for a long time, I got these two, I, I never knew how to distinguish between the two. 
But here's a great example. Knowledge says that that black animal with the white stripe on its back is a skunk. That's knowledge, right? I know that. I learned that in school. That's knowledge. Wisdom says do not pet that black animal with the white stripe on its back or you're going to get sprayed, right? Wisdom, which is what? Insight into the future. If I do this, this will happen. I don't know for you, that helps me understand the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and that's what we see here. The word of wisdom, it delivers an answer to a pressing need, a question, or a situation. It provides insight into the future. It helps me know, man, what do I need to do? Or maybe God will use you to give someone a word of wisdom. Man, I just don't know what to do. He's going to give you a word for them. Let me go to number two here because they're closely tied together. Number two is this, the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge. Like I said, I'm not going to do a, a deep dive into these. I'm going to hit these so that we can identify them in our lives. Word of knowledge is this. It's supernatural knowledge. It's the ability to supernaturally know facts and details that would not be known in the natural. There's no way I could have known that. There's no way I could have known that. You didn't learn it. Holy Spirit just revealed it to you is what it is. This is why I feel like we see this quite a bit here whenever we are, whenever I come up on stage before I get into my message sometimes, God will give me a word. I know in specific times he's given me a word for someone's situation. One time we were praying for the sick and we had people raise their hands and we laid hands on them and we prayed for the sick right after uh, worship right there. We weren't planning on doing that. It was just, I feel like God said, hey, we need to do that. And while we were praying, someone didn't raise their hand. And I, and I knew it in my spirit. Someone didn't raise their hand, and they were supposed to. They need to get prayed for today. And when I, there's no way, I mean, by that point, I'm just speaking that by faith, right? There's no way I can know someone's heart or what's going on in everyone's body to say, they, hey, you over here, you should have raised your hand because I know your medical history. That's not how it works. Holy Spirit revealed to me, you didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to, and you can get some freedom today. You can get some pain relief today. Come on, somebody, because God wants to meet you right where you're at. A great example of this is whenever Jesus was with the woman at the well, and he's talking with her, and he's sharing with her that he is the Messiah, and there she is, and she's, she's, they're kind of going back and forth, and finally he says, hey, go get your husband, and she's like, well, I don't have a husband, and he said, that's right. You've had five husbands, right? You've had multiple husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your husband, and what does she say? Whoa, <laughs> hey, how did you, like, how did you know that, and what did she do? She went then into the city, and she said, come see a man who told me everything that's ever happened in my life. Come see the man who has the wisdom and the knowledge about what's happened. What was it? It was a, a sign, a divine sign and evidence of the Holy Spirit at work, not just in the life of Jesus, but in her life as well, because it's undeniable in her, a sinner, undeniable. How would you know that except if it wasn't from God? And what was her response? Belief and faith. She believed Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit wants to use these gifts in you so that you can operate in them and people will say, how except if God is real? And it will turn their heart to Jesus. It will turn their heart to Jesus. Let's go to number three here. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. This is a sudden impartation by the Holy Spirit of supernatural, specific faith at a critical moment to accomplish God's purpose or desire 
in a situation or event. This is when a person is empowered to believe the impossible is doable in order to accomplish what can only be done supernaturally, can only be done supernaturally. This is not, the gift of faith is not just faith for salvation. This is faith for literally the impossible. This is faith for, this can't be done except without supernatural, with supernatural help, it can be done. Outside of that, it is impossible. There's no way it can be done. The things God commands or asks us to do aren't meant to be accomplished in our own natural ability. If they were, I could take credit for it all. That's why I say we're called to live supernatural lives. Because if I can do it all on my own, once again, who gets the glory for it? Well, look how good Dan is. Look at how great, look at all the stuff that's happening in his life. That's not the goal. Our goal is what? To make disciples, to glorify God. To bring him glory. Now look what God has done in my life. And there's going to be times where I have to use this gift of faith, whether it's a, a moment or maybe a season in my life. Can I tell you when my, my, my wife Leslie and I started this church, I had to operate in this gift right here because I was leaving a great job. I was leaving a job where I made more money than I had ever made before. I had great benefits. All of my friends and family were at that job. It was at a, it was at a different ministry. It was a great ministry, a ministry that is dear to my heart. But God was calling us to go. And everything in me said, don't go. And then I, ha I would have meetings with, with my, my boss, and he would say, well, hey, what if we give you some more money? I'm like, I'm already making more money than I've ever made in my life. Let's, hey, what if we pay you a little bit more? What if we help with this or do that? Sweeten the deal. But I had to make a choice. When it didn't make sense in my natural mind to say, I'm going to step in faith and believe that God will move and that God will provide. And can I tell you this, when we stepped out and we started this church, we had no guarantee of a paycheck, of any type of income, and we didn't have millions of dollars in savings, right? We didn't have a launch team to go with us. It was literally my family, and God said, I want you to go because I want you to learn how to have faith in me and not in another person or not in another organization or another church. Have faith in me for your life. Don't cling to anything else. But it took a gift of faith in that season, not just one moment, but in a season. One of the, be the, the biggest lessons I learned in that is this, that every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. Many times we think, oh, well, hey, I'm going I'm to take this step right here. I took my step of faith. God's going to take care of the rest, right? No. <laughs> every step requires another. What happens when Peter gets out of the boat to see Jesus walking on water? He took one step out, but what was he going to do? I have to keep walking. Even that, I have to have the faith to even stand in this step that I took in faith. And that's where people miss it. They put so much emphasis on take the first step, and you have to take the first step. But you need to have the faith to continue walking with God after that. You have to have it. Number four is this, the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. I know I'm going through these quickly here, but bear with me to the end. The gifts of healings. This is supernatural endowments of divine health. God literally wants to use his children to bring healing to other people. He wants you to be healed, and he wants to minister healing through you to others. It is a gift. What I love is in Acts 3, we see this in Peter. 
right? This, this, this gift at work. Peter encounters the man who can't walk, and he's asking him for money, and he looks down and he says, look, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. When we are walking in agreement with God and with his Holy Spirit, we can walk with that kind of confidence that though I may not have what you need in the physical, I have what you really need in the spiritual. And what he, he could move then in the gifts of healings, and he could rise that guy up, say, hey, stand up, and stand up and raise him up so that he could be completely healed. And I want us to realize this. We have to know this. God is still in the healing business. That wasn't a Bible time thing. It is a today thing because healing is not just what Jesus does. Healing is who Jesus is. It's who he is. It's not just what he does. It's actually one of his names. It's who he is. We can't separate one from the other. What I love is that healing is a gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives it. He gives it to you. So the good news is this, to boost your faith. If you have the Holy Spirit, you can receive and minister healing. Why? Because you are, you have the one who has it all. So you can now receive it and minister it to others. The gifts of healings is plural. Number one, because it's a continuous thing. It was never meant to be, well, hey, I operate in the gift of healing today, and that was my one shot. Like, hey, check the box. I operate in that gift. Never going to use it again, but I did it today. That's not it. It's a continual thing. It is a channel flowing through you to other people. But also, it is a, it's a plural thing for the fact that it's not just this kind of sickness we can overcome. This type of illness we can defeat by faith. No, it's the gift of healings. It's plural, continual, and to cover all. He took all your pain and sickness on the cross, and he put it in the grave where it belonged, and he left it there. We need to have the faith, though, to believe that. In Psalm 103, 2-3, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities or sins, who heals all your diseases. It can be, think of this for a second. It can be easy to have faith for God to save me from my sin, who forgives all my iniquities. It can be easy. But it can be so challenging to have the faith that he would heal all my diseases. But can we get a big picture here? Which one is more difficult for God? To erase your past and wrongdoing and present you righteous in the sight of your heavenly Father? Or to take care of some aches and pains or disease in your body? Which one weighs heavier on the scale? Look, if you have the faith for salvation, you can have the faith for healing. God wants you to be healed. And you may be in here and you say, Pastor Dan, I've tried, I've been praying, I've been believing, and I haven't seen it yet. Can I tell you, at the end of today, our prayer team is going to be right here and right up here. Come on down and get some prayer. Let us lay hands on you. Let us agree with you, and let us pray together for complete healing in your body. And let's stand together, and let's see God's word come to pass. Let's see it come to pass. Man, I could keep going on that. Let me go to number five. <sighs> working of miracles. Working of miracles. You guys doing Okay. Okay, good. Number five, the working of miracles. This is a divine 
operation of supernatural power that overrides natural laws and does what is naturally impossible. Do you see how all of these, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what? The impossible, to do what can't be done naturally. This is what I'm saying. You, God has more for you. These are, the gifts are available for you. These every day are available for us. We can walk in them. This is a divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. I think a great example of this is many times these, the working of miracles, it can happen without us even knowing it. Many times it can happen without us even knowing it. Have you ever left work or left your house a little bit late and you're running late to work and then on your way to work you see a, a nasty car crash? Or maybe you left just a second late, and it's just like, man, if I was a 30 seconds even earlier, that could have been devastating for me and my family. Can I tell you this, that many times that is God at work in your life? And it's not that God's up there picking and choosing, well, hey, I'm going to keep you safe, but these people are going to get in a car wreck. That's not what I'm saying. Hear my heart. I'm simply saying that God sees you, and he wants to work miracles in your life. He wants to work miracles in your life. His character is good. His character is for good things to happen and for you to be safe and whole everywhere that you go. A great example of this in the life of Jesus is when he, when he did walk on the water. What was he doing? He, he, this gift overrides the natural. It doesn't make natural sense for him to walk on the water, yet he's out here walking on the water. And what is he doing? It's the working of miracles. There's many different kinds of miracles, and many times we think that miracles are just healings or different things like that, but there's a lot that happens. I don't know about you, but I've seen many stories where people will get in a car wreck, and somehow this guy has a, the ability to, to roll this car or pick this car up off of this person so that someone can be dragged to safety. How did that happen? Well, we can try to explain it with science, but I would say let's, let's look a little bit deeper, pull the curtain back a little. The working of miracles. God wants to move supernaturally to affect the natural in your life. That's what it is. He wants to work supernaturally to affect the natural in your life. Number six is prophecy. Prophecy. This is a message of encouragement from God to a person. And literally, this is speaking on the behalf of God. It's a message of encouragement. Here's what we need to realize Biblically, in the New Testament, prophecy is not correction, rebuke, judgment, anything like that. It's not, that's not what prophecy is. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to get a word from the Lord or, or have a word for somebody that is that, but that won't be prophecy. Prophecy is not correction, rebuke, judgment. In the Old Testament, God used prophecy to foreshadow that and to speak that, and, and to correct some things. But in the New Testament, here's what we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. It says this, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So when I operate in the gift of prophecy, what is it? It is to encourage, not discourage. It's not correction. It is to encourage. It is literally to put courage in other people, to encourage them, right? To give them courage, not to discourage them. So, on the flip side, if someone says, hey, I have a prophecy for you, and it takes the courage out of you, it's not from the Lord. 
If somebody has a prophecy for you and takes the courage out of you, it's not from the Lord. You see why these are so important to realize what they are? Because many times we just think, wow, that guy's a prophet or he operates in that gift. And we stay way over here on the sideline. But God wants you to be in the game. You, right here. He wants you to be in the game. doesn't matter how old or young you are. He wants you to operate in these gifts. Through this gift, God wants to give words of prophecy to you that you can give to others that will build courage into them to do what God's asking them to do. He wants you to operate in this. At the bottom line, it's to comfort those under duress, to bring encouragement to people's hearts, and most importantly, to redirect their attention to God. To redirect their attention to God. That's prophecy. Number seven. All of these could be their own message, by the way. Do you understand how, how I'm being so disciplined today? Okay, I don't even know if you guys even realize. This past week, I had to control myself not to just preach a message and be here till the Super Bowl kicks off. Number seven, let's continue. Discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. It is this. It's a supernatural ability to discern what spiritual forces are really at work in the life of an individual or a circumstance. Discerning of spirits. We do not live in a spiritual, spiritually neutral world. It can be easy for us to think that because we live in these earth suits called bodies, right? My wife, Leslie, her grandfather passed away this past week. And he passed away at their house. And we were there, and, and I had the, the honor of just helping in this situation. It's not always a situation you want to be the helper, right? It's not to be disrespectful, but it is a dead, it's a dead body. But I had to help move and transport the body and help the guy that was coming to, to pick him up. But it was a great reminder for me, and if you've ever had a loved one pass away, when you see their body after their spirit has left, you realize we are not flesh and blood. That is not the real us. We have a spirit who lives forever, and that's where our life is. And so we can get so tricked by the devil into thinking we live in this natural world or this spiritually neutral world, and that's not the case. The spirit realm created the natural. The supernatural created the natural. So which one is the more real realm? The supernatural, the spiritual. The spiritual realm created the natural. So there's a lot more going on in the supernatural, in the spiritual world than we could even realize. But we have to be aware of it. That's why we have what? A gift called the discerning of spirits. So when I walk into a situation, into someone's house, I'm having a conversation, whatever it may be, and they're like, man, I don't know what it is, but I just, man, I'm facing this. I can't get past this. I can't, I can't get over this. God wants you as a believer, as, his, as steward of his kingdom, to be able to walk in and to say, I know how to fix this. I see what's going on here. And to what? Let's say they're sick. I can go in and I can what? Bind that spirit of sickness and tell it to leave. That's what Jesus did. That's why whenever he would speak, he would speak to the sickness. He wouldn't just pray and say, well, God, you know, if it's your will, you'll, you'll, you'll move here. No, what did he do? He would speak to the sickness, to the spirit of infirmity, as we see it so many times in the life of Jesus. He spoke to him and he said, get out. And what? They were healed. We have to be able to see and identify if we're going to steward God's kingdom well, which is what we're called to do. So, discerning 
man. Help me, Jesus. Discerning, it can be translated as see-through. It can literally be translated as see-through. So what is it? It's spiritual x-ray vision. That's how I like to think about it. It's pulling back the curtain and saying, what's the devil really doing here in your situation? Not just, well, man, you really have the worst kind of luck. Maybe it's not luck. Maybe it's not bad luck. Maybe you got a target on your back. Let's see it, and let's go to battle together, and let's take care of it, and let's find some victory. The discerning of spirits is a spiritual tool God gives his children so they can be made aware that they are not just dealing with flesh and blood enemies. It's not flesh and blood enemies. There's something greater at work. Let's address it at the root of the issue. Let's address the root of the issue. Number eight is this, different kinds of tongues or the gift of tongues. Over the past couple weeks, two weeks ago, we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, what that, what that means. Where do we see that in God's word? Last week, we talked about the grace of tongues, which is for our own private time where I'm alone with God or like today when I'm worshiping him and it's just me and him and I'm just quietly praying in the spirit while we're worshiping or in his presence. That's the grace of tongues. This is the gift of tongues. Let me show you what, it's, what, what kind of the synopsis I have here. It's when someone is moved supernaturally by the Holy Spirit to deliver a specific message in tongues. What is that? It's the language outside of our understanding. It's from the heart of God to an individual or an assembled group. It's a message from God in a heavenly language for an individual or an assembled group. This public message from God, which is given in tongues, it has to be interpreted to bring supernatural edification to the church. So we're going to look at a few scriptures here, and here's the, here's the deal. We can get off on this, and we can say, well, we're going to, someone's going to, they got a word in tongues, and we give them the mic, and they speak in tongues, and then if no one does number nine gift, which is the interpretation, if no one does that, we're not operating biblically within the gift. That's not, that's not how we're supposed to do things according to God's word. If a tongue is ever given publicly for other people to hear, it is to be interpreted. In fact, let's go to number nine, the interpretation of tongues, and I'll show you how these tie together. You can't have one of these without the other. Eight and nine are, are together. The interpretation of tongues. It's when someone, moved by the Holy Spirit, takes the message from God, which was given or delivered in tongues, and interprets it for the edification of others. For the edification of others. One thing you have to realize here, this is not the translation of tongues. It's not the translation of tongues. It is the interpretation of tongues because the Holy Spirit is interpreting. It's an interpretation rather than a word-for-word translation. Here's what I mean. If you've ever seen this done or been a part of a service where this is done, it's amazing and it's powerful. When someone gives a word in tongues, many times the length of that does not match the interpretation. And so people will be like, well, that, no, they talked for a, a minute and they talked for 30 seconds or the other way around. And so they dismiss it. It's not, it's not a translation. It's an interpretation. And so many times that will happen because this heavenly language doesn't align with our English, right? Who are we to think that it would align with our English? It's two different languages. It's a translation. Let me read how these two are supposed to work together. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28. It says this. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each, each of you 
has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. What is that? It's to build you up, to build you up spiritually. If it's not done for edification, then it doesn't need to be done in this sense. There's times where we do things that aren't for edification, for correction, for adjustment, whatever. But when it comes to these gifts that we're talking about right here, it's for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Here's the comparison. If there is a tongue to be given, heavenly language message, it must have an interpreter. If there's no one that says, hey, I have the interpretation of that, then what does he say? We're no longer operating in the, the gift. He says, you just need to keep that to yourself. If you read, again, if you go back through and read 1 Corinthians 14, you're going to see, he says, look, if you're just praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and no one's interpreting, he says, they're just going to think you're foolish. No one is edified, and it's for nothing. He said, I would rather speak a few words in my understanding than 10,000 words in a tongue. But when these gifts work together, we can hear directly from God in our understanding once it's translated or interpreted. The message is interpreted for us directly from God. But again, it's got to be done how God designed it, in order, not in chaos, not in some flaky, weird thing, in order. It's simple. And he says it's for your benefit. For what? The benefit of all. The benefit of all. We've looked at nine here. And out of these nine, my prayer is that we would see, man, do I see these at work in my life? If ever? Or when's the last time? Or maybe as I was going, you said, I've had that before. I've seen that happen in my life. But you just didn't know it was the gift of the Spirit working on your behalf. At the end of the day, when spiritual gifts are missing, that's what we said, the outcome is a life functioning primarily on the strength of human effort, reasoning, and talent. If you see anything today, see that God has more for you. He wants you to live that supernatural life for you and for those around you, that you would go and you would steward the kingdom. And what I love about each of these is that they're for all of us. They're not just for a few of us. This isn't just for the, the pastors or church staff. And spiritual gifts, once again, they're not badges of honor. They're not to be earned. It's not to say, well, look at all these gifts that I operate in and you're down here now. They're not to elevate us over others, but they're actually to lower us to better serve others. That's how the gifts should be used. Not that I am a different class of Christian because I use these. No, it's that. These gifts, they don't make me better than you. They make me better than me. They don't make me better than you. That's what the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit's job doesn't make me better than you. Well, I have them and you don't. No, it makes me better than me. Better than I could ever be. My own understanding, my own reasoning, my own talent. Even better, they make me live, love, and look more like Jesus. 
because Jesus lived a supernatural life. And that's what he wants for you. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Many times, if we're not careful, we can get in the other ditch, right? Either we avoid them, one ditch, or the other ditch is, that's all we're after. Hey, we're just going all in with these spiritual gifts, and that's what we want. And what this word desire here, it means this. In the original Greek, it means to fervently, to be fervently boiling with zealousness. So we should be desiring spiritual gifts, right? Fervently boiling with zealousness. But where does it start? I'm not just called to be wanting spiritual gifts. It starts with pursue love the greatest gift. Pursue love. What is that? Jesus. When I pursue him and I go after him, and what do I do? When I abide in him every day, throughout my day, what happens? I can produce his fruit and I can operate within his gifts. But where does it start? I'm just, hey, I'm just trying to operate more in prophecy. I'm just trying to operate more in the gifts of healings. We can't focus on, if you want to look at it this way, the fruit, the extra. I have to focus on the root. If I want those gifts, I have to focus right here. Am I connected to him daily? Am I abiding in him? Not just for five minutes a day when I have my quiet time or my chair time. Am I abiding in him throughout my day? Am I walking aware of these gifts? So no matter what situation I walk to, no matter what I step into on the job site or in this meeting or with this group of friends, no matter what I may face, no matter what demon I may face or sickness or situation, what? I have everything that I need to get the job done for Jesus because of his Holy Spirit. It's a benefit for us. It's a benefit for us. Our attitude towards these gifts is to be willing, available, and good-hearted servants of Jesus. That's what it is at the end of the day. So let's pursue love and let's desire the spiritual gifts. Not, not run from them because we don't get them. Let's, let's desire them. But number one, let's pursue love. Here's some reflection questions for you. I don't have these in your notes, but I wanted to put this on here. How often do I see these spiritual gifts in my life? We give these reflection questions so that you can, you can go and with your spouse or with your group of friends, what we call community groups, you can get together and you can be honest and answer these questions. I know me and Leslie talk about this. Me, Leslie, and Gavin talk about this when we're having dinner. I got to be real. Man, how often do I see these at work? Why? Because the manifestation is what? It's the evidence of him working. So if I don't see these, he may be working, but not to the fullest extent. The action step is 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love desire spiritual gifts. Seek after Jesus, and when you do, you will live, love, and look like him. And part of that is operating in the gifts that he's given you. You. He wants you to have it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, our helper, our amazing counselor. You've given us for our spiritual success here on this earth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us so that we have access to these gifts. Father, our, our prayer is not that we would run from these, misunderstand these, or just pursue these, but we want to pursue love. We want to pursue you. 
so that we can love you and we can love others. And when we do that, we thank you that you are going to use us, use these gifts in our lives so that we can serve people. Help us stay humble in these gifts. We're not here to put ourselves on a pedestal or to look down on anyone. We're here to lower ourselves in these gifts to serve others and be like you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.